Hey, Jay, it's Mitch Joel calling from Six Pixels of Separation, the Twisty Mass podcast from beautiful Montreal. Hope you're doing great. A little bird told me that it's 10 Golden Rules, 10th episode. So congrats, 10. That's that's 10. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe I should have called in for six. You know, the whole six pixels, six points thing. Who knows? Really looking forward to catching up with you at PodCamp Boston in the end of October. Hope you're doing well. Enjoy the show, and congrats. Looking forward to hearing... 10 times 10 more. Cheers. Welcome to episode 10 of the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. Very excited about this show. We have some cool call-ins, an amazing conversation with web design icon Steve Krug, the author of Don't Make Me Think. We've got a special best of live from the blog, and we'll mash up ACDC, the B-52s, traditional Jewish klezmer, and hip-hop. Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into sales. Now here's the CEO of 10goldenrules.com, Jay Berkowitz. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much for spending some time with Episode 10. This is a special podcast for us, of course, at a company named 10 Golden Rules. A big thank you to our good friend Mitch Joel for the, the calling off the top. We've got three to four really kind greetings we'll share with you throughout the show. If you're listening to your first TGR podcast, welcome aboard. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to go over to iTunes, click on the iTunes store, and search 10 Golden Rules, and you can sign up for this podcast. Every time we do a new show, you'll get a download uh, free to your iTunes, which you can drop on your iPod, burn to a CD, take it in the car as I did yesterday, actually with one of Mitch Joel's shows, took it with me on a commute. It was a great company. We also love your participation. Please give us a call at 206-888-6606. Ask us a question. Give us some comments or suggestions. What would you like to hear on the show? What's uh, Who's someone great we could interview? Something you'd like to participate. Would you like to uh, tell us about a website or a new web tool or project, something you're using? Once again, that number is 206-888-6606. You can call the number, the system called K7 digitizes your call, turns it into a digital audio byte, and we can play it on a future show. Uh, here's our next call in, and let's get to that right away. Hi, Jay. This is Thomas Parrott from London, England. Uh, this is just a quick message to congratulate you on your 10th episode of 10 Golden Rolls. Loving them. Keep them coming. And uh, speak to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Thomas. What an awesome comment. I guess the 10 Golden Rules podcast is officially international. We'll have, uh, we have some really exciting speaking engagements coming up over the next several months. I just returned from the Association of Women in Communication show in Orlando. Uh, what a great two days. A really excited group. They had some other great speakers. I have some audio from that event, which we'll get to next week. On October 17th, I'm going to be in Birmingham, Alabama for the American Marketing Association chapter there in Birmingham. The night before, Tuesday, October 16th, we will be having a marketing media meetup, a casual dinner with friends at the AMA. So if you're in the area, please call me at 10 Golden Rules or email me at podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at number 10, goldenrules.com. And um, Allison and some of the organizers of the AMA event would be happy to have you join us for a marketing meetup. 
At noon Eastern Standard Time on October 24th, I will be interviewed on the live podcast called That Affiliate Thing with Sean Collins and Lisa Piccarelli. You can hear that at webmaster.fm. Um, the guys do a great show all about affiliate marketing. On the weekend of October 26th is PodCamp Boston, and that's the event Mitch Joel was talking about in his opening. It's going to be fantastic. There's over a thousand people booked already. I'm going to present a new presentation called The 10 Golden Rules for Launching and Promoting a New Podcast. So here's a promo for PodCamp Boston tell you a little bit about this exciting event. Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Copenhagen, Berlin, Second Life, Toronto, Atlanta, New York City, San Antonio, Stockholm, Washington, D.C., St. Paul, Birmingham, Philadelphia, Ontario, Kilkenny, Cape Town. Come to the PodCamp that started it all. PodCamp Boston, October 26th through 28th, 2007 at the Boston Convention and Expo Center. Venue sponsored by Vaughn Boston. Over 350 people have registered from high school students to CEOs, from small businesses to Microsoft, all to learn, share, and grow their skills in blogging, podcasting, social networks, and new media. Register today at podcampboston.org and rejoin the revolution. So PodCamp's a really cool new kind of thing, and it actually started last year with the first PodCamp in Boston. They had over 700 people last year. Uh, there's already over 1,000 people registered, and I would expect somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people. The cool thing about a PodCamp is it's free of charge, there's no cost, and it, it's just kind of like a free-form conference. And, and the conferences that the people want to see are the ones that make it to the agenda. Um, so, you know, if you're in the Boston area or if, if you can get there anyway, um, I, I highly recommend it. As I said, the event is free. It's going to be fantastic. And I'm going to be flying up from Florida for it. And Mitch Joel and a, a number of the other top bloggers and podcasters and social media marketers are going to be there. Uh, next up, November 9th, uh, November 5th to the 9th is AdTech New York. I'll be participating on a panel. And we're really excited about an event we're doing on November 14th in Fort Lauderdale. We'll be presenting a full-day internet marketing boot camp in conjunction with the American Marketing Association. I will present the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing. Our search manager, Catherine, will share the latest strategies on how to get your site picked up in the search engines. Margie, our VP of Operations, is going to do a piece on pay-per-click and conversion strategies. I'm going to wrap the day up with Web 2.0, the 10 leading trends in internet marketing. And we're going to do a live web lab throughout the day, and we're going to do a live podcast recording over lunch. So it's a full day. The American Marketing Association is going to offer a certificate for the day. And it's really the, a great way if you want to hone your skills or you know, get, a, get a quick start in Internet marketing. You'll have everything covered from you know, basic Internet marketing, search engine optimization, a bunch of the newest trends and tricks and technologies from Web 2.0. I highly recommend it. You can find information on our site or at amasouthflorida.org. Uh, finally, December 10th is SIPA, the Specialized Information Publishers Association. Uh, it's the 24th Annual Marketing Conference at the Lowe's Hotel in Miami. SIPA, uh, S-I-P-A. Um, there will be a link in the show notes for all of these events. And uh, right on, on the homepage of 10 Golden Rules, you can find links to all of these events. Hey, Jay, this is Joseph Jaffe from Jaffe Juice and Across the Sound, the new marketing podcast. Wanted to just wish you congratulations for reaching number 10 
um, of your podcast. Obviously, 10 is a very significant number for you. I think the pod fading number is something like 12 or 13. So don't be a pod fader, man. I, I hope uh, to be calling in for all multiples of 10. 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, so on and so forth. Um, I think you're a great marketer. Um, I think your insights and your tips are incredibly valuable. And uh, I hope your listeners will stick around and your community will keep on growing and I'll keep on listening. Take care and again, congratulations. Bye-bye. Well, thanks so much, Joe. Um, I'll give you a heads up on something Joe Jaffe's up to on October 21st. And we'll be promoting this a little bit more in the blog and the podcast. He's releasing his new book called Join the Conversation. And he's done some really interesting things. He had the cover designed by his community. He had uh, contributions, including myself, contributed to one of the chapters that was done virtually. So uh, October 21st, if you're thinking of checking out Joe's new book, that's definitely the, the day to go to Amazon. He's trying to do a, a, a bum rush the charts, if you will, and get everybody to purchase the book on the same day. Let me go to the mailbag now. We had some really interesting feedback following our article in the Wall Street Journal. Sheila Etheridge contacted me through LinkedIn, and she's a virtual accounting and bookkeeping expert in Anchorage, Alaska. She said, nice article, Jay. Congratulations on being featured. It is true that many websites are not laid out well, and the user needs to work hard to find things. I hope the article brings you a lot of new business. Congratulations, Sheila. And the interesting thing is, as I connected with Sheila on LinkedIn, she's actually one of the top one or two answerers of questions on LinkedIn. And uh, that means she's answering somewhere in the neighborhood of two to 300 questions every week. It's, uh, it's an awesome way to network on LinkedIn. Another email came from Shashi Bella Maconda. And I apologize, I, I, I don't know the pronunciation. He's a web tools, mobile products, and product innovator in Washington, D.C., he said, congratulations, I hope you will go to Social Poster and make sure the world hears of this recognition. My friend Rahit Bagarva's blog is also featured. Well, thanks so much, Shashi. Uh, I selected Rohit's influential marketing blog because every single blog entry he writes blows my mind, and I, I wish I could have written that. He's seriously smart and very perceptive. Check out the influential, inter- influential marketing blog. We had another note from Kerry Nelms from Canadian bookstore Indigo.ca. Hi, Jay. Great article, and it's viral. I got a link from Sean Collins' blog. Just goes to prove that you embody golden rule number nine, which is the best never rest, which is a rule about continual innovation in, in, in internet marketing. Um, she went on to say that Don't Make Me Think, one of the books that we referred to and the author we're going to interview today, Don't Make Me Think is the usability Bible and mantra. Well worth the read. Good call. It sells like hotcakes in our store, we can hardly keep it in, in stock. Carrie's a great internet marketer and a Canadian to boot. Carrie, thanks so much. And speaking of Sean Collins, uh, here's a note, uh, a call in from Sean. Hey, Jay, what's up? This is Sean Collins from Affiliate Summit. Just wanted to say that I've, um, it was great when I met up with you in Miami. You told me about your, your podcast because I've been listening to it ever since, and it's required listening on my iPod. I love what you're doing there. I never miss a show. And just wanted to say keep up the good work, and uh, have a great day. Take care, man. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Awesome to hear from you. Okay, well, let's get rolling with uh, the next segment. It's called Live from the Blog. And normally we cover topics featured on the 10 Golden Rules blog. However, this week, being our 10th episode, I asked the team to come up with a special topic in honor of episode 10. 
So here's some of the top topics or best tricks we're using these days for internet marketing. First up is Margie with the appropriately named Margie trick. Hi, this is Margie. Jay calls it the Margie trick, but only because I was the first one to tell him about it, not because I invented it. Still, it's fun to refer to it that way. It's a Google pay-per-click ad tactic involving using the display URL as part of the real estate of the ad. So when the URL is www.10goldenrules.com, you just follow it with a slash and some additional messaging like podcasts or expert SEO or free evaluation. PPC ads have severe character limits per line, but by using the Margie trick, you can better take advantage of the real estate you have in your Google ads. And the best part is, our testing has found consistent extra pull on ads that feature this trick. This is Jeff. As the resident pay-per-click expert here, I've spoken about as well as blogged about the many benefits of using AdWords Editor to manage your Google AdWords pay-per-click campaign. During this podcast, I'm going to talk about a couple tools that, may, that you may not know about that may make managing your own pay-per-click campaigns easier. First off, you may use Ad, AdWords Editor to test your pay-per-click campaigns, and once you have fine-tuned your account, you set up PPC campaigns on Yahoo Search and Microsoft Ad Center. With AdWords Editor, these new PPC accounts are easy to import. Simply export your entire account, account as a CSV file and then upload it into Yahoo Search or Microsoft Ad Center. A second valuable tool, especially when you're managing hundreds or even thousands of keywords with varying costs per clicks, is the ability to adjust your bids by a certain percentage, not a certain amount of dollars or cents. This is especially valuable if you want to be more or less aggressive with your bids and the cost per click varies greatly within the ad group or campaign. At the bottom of the editor tool is the option for advanced bid changes. Just click on that and you can either change bids by a certain dollar amount or percentage. There are obviously many other tools and tricks to use to effectively manage your campaigns using AdWords Editor, and keep on the lookout for my top 10 keys to getting the most from AdWords Editor. Hi, this is Maria, and I'm going to give you our top three tips to supercharge your affiliate program. Tip number one, in order to manage your affiliates on a more strategic level, it's important to group them based on performance. Identify your top performing affiliates and classify them into specific groups top performers, performers with potential, non-active affiliates, etc. Which brings me to tip number two. Once you have segmented your affiliates, contact your top performers and find out what they need to really promote your program. They may need special creative, or you could negotiate a higher commission rate. A newsletter is also a good way to get in front of your affiliates and remind them to promote your program. Let them know of any updates to your site, announce any contests, incentives, or any seasonal opportunities. Now tip number three. Reach out to inactive affiliates and encourage those who haven't started promoting you to put up links. You may even offer an incentive to do so. Once again, the focus is on developing the relationship. Hi, this is Michael, your TGR PR Pro, and I want to share one of the basic principles of new media PR that is often overlooked by traditional publicists. Press releases put on the web today don't die. Since they're all text-based and easily searchable, they are great Google food. When you're writing your release, it's vital that you include keyword phrases that people are searching for. By using programs such as Yahoo's keyword tool found at inventory.overture.com or wordtracker.com, you can easily find these popular terms. Don't forget, this is one of the easiest ways to increase the performance of your press release and be found when people search Google and Yahoo. Add these terms in the title and throughout your release and you will notice a difference on your ranking in the search engines.
Hi, this is Catherine. Before we ever touch any words on the page, my team develops a strategy for search engine optimization. A key element to developing this SEO strategy is understanding your existing competition and how they're doing in the search engines. iBusiness Promoter, otherwise known as IBP, is a sophisticated piece of software made by Exandra. Its top 10 web page optimizer suite compares your existing web page against its competitors for a specific keyword phrase. Breaking it down element by element, IBP examines everything from meta tags to body text, internal linking to file naming. Other val valuable modules include Search Engine Ranking Checker, Spider Simulator, Keyword Density Analyzer, and Top 10 Inbound Link Optimizer. Now, IBP isn't a magic SEO bullet, but in the hands of an experienced search professional, it can help create a golden internet marketing strategy. Hi, it's Chris. I'm going to talk briefly about website entry points. A website entry point is any page of your website that someone surfing the web will first enter your website from. They can be coming from a search engine, blog, forum, or wherever. This is the first page the user will see. Because the entry point can be any page of your website, it's important to have key elements on all your pages to let the users know where they are and what they can do. Remember to have your logo and tagline describing who you are and what you offer on each page. The top left corner has become the standard place for your logo and tagline, and when users click the logo, they should be taken to your homepage. Also make sure your navigation is user-friendly and stays constant throughout all the pages of your website. And on each page, show clues for you are here, identifying which page of the site the user is on. This will give the user a sense of assurance in knowing where they have landed. If they don't have a good sense of where they landed and what the website offers, it will only take seconds before they click the back button and leave your, your, your website. Hey, Jay, this is Tim Coyne calling from the Hollywood Podcast. I'm just calling to congratulate you on episode 10 of the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast. Congratulations. I'm sure you'll go to 110 or more. So um, hope it's a great show. Looking forward to hearing it. And uh, congratulations. Bye-bye. Thanks, Tim. For those of you who aren't familiar with Tim Coyne and the Hollywood Podcast, very interesting story. Tim announced on his podcast and on a podcast interview he did with Joe Jaffe that he set himself a goal. He wanted a recurring role on the series House. And within a week or two, he met someone at a party and got that interview for the series House. And so we're all cheering from the sidelines, hoping Tim gets his recurring role in Hollywood. Next up is our chat with Steve Krug. If you aren't familiar with Steve, his book, Don't Make Me Think, is widely acclaimed as the best book on web design and search engine usability. That is, designing your site so it's easy for people to use, easy for users to navigate and find what they want and seamlessly interact with the site. About three years ago, I purchased a number of copies of the book and sent it out to all of my clients for a Christmas or Hanukkah gift. And I said, um, this book is, clear, is easily worth uh, more than any gift I could send. 
Um, Steve and I connected interest in, in an inter interesting way as well because he was, uh, of course, one of the first books that I recommended in the Wall Street Journal. And uh, he contacted me right away by email and said, thank you so much. And we talk a little bit about that part of the story. Uh, the sound of the phone lines isn't great on the interview. I apologize, but the, the interviewee is fantastic. So please enjoy my discussion with Steve Krug. And uh, let's go to that right now. Book, Don't Make Me Think. And hopefully everyone on, on the show has heard of him. And Steve and I... Uh, met virtually uh, in the last week or so when I recommended his book as in, in the recommended reading section of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, we were tapped to supply our list of top books and websites and blogs and podcasts. And Steve's book was right at the top of my list. I've been a big fan of the book for a long time. I've uh, promoted it and recommended it in uh, probably over 50 times that I've given the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing presentation. So, Steve, welcome to the 10 Golden Rules podcast. Thanks, Jay. And thank you so much for doing this. Oh, <laughs> happy to. Uh, thanks for the, uh, the mention in the, in the journal. I, uh, the, the, the main outcome from my perspective, I had a bunch of people, you know, write me and say that they saw it, but uh, my wife was very impressed that I was in the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> so, you know how valuable that is. Yeah, it's really been interesting for me the last week because being in the Wall Street Journal is, is a whole other level of credibility. Uh -huh. You know, it's a subtle thing. Of course, we send it out to a bunch of clients. But, right. you know, it's like you get some media mentioned, some local stuff, but the Wall Street Journal really, really still carries a lot of that credibility yeah. and clout. Yeah. Um, so please I, tell everyone a little bit about your background and, and how you, to, you got to writing the book. And I still want to talk to Terry Gross. That's, that was, that's always been my sort of secret agenda. Okay, well, this <laughs> maybe... If I had an ideal outcome for writing this book, it would be... To, to get to talk to Terry Gross. Great. Well, well, if anyone on the podcast can help help get Steve that interview, that'd be fantastic. I, I don't really fit, fit the, the, the description for, for fresh air, I'm afraid. But one can always dream. So, anyway. You've got to have, sorry, a, you gotta have a dream. You so, have a question. Please share, everyone, a little bit about your background and how you got to writing the book, Don't Make Me Think. Oh, sure. Uh, I started out years ago, yeah, sort of checkered past, started years ago, as a tech writer, uh, writing user manuals for hardware and software. And um, turns out that at the time, which was in the 80s, that was a kind of not uncommon career path for people who ended up in usability because um, when you're doing uh, writing user manuals, basically it's a user advocate job like a usability person. You're trying to figure out what, what it is that people are not going to be able to figure out on their own about the, the hardware or software and then explain how, how to use it. And uh, uh, so in usability, basically, you're, you're doing the same thing. You're figuring out what people aren't going to understand, but hopefully you're then getting a chance to have some input and getting it redesigned so that uh, uh, nobody has to explain it. And then I got the chance to write the book in 1999. I guess it was done in 2000. Um, Roger Black, who's a designer friend and great um, newspaper uh, and print designer uh, had uh, uh, an interactive agency and was doing web stuff and he wanted to uh, publish a couple of books and asked me if I wanted to do the one on usability so I was just in the right place at the right time. Great. And I read, I read one, at one point that the best, one of the best things about doing the book is your consulting fees doubled. Well, <laughs> my, stated, my stated intention for writing the book was to double my consulting fees. Um, but I discovered after the fact, after putting in this sort of nightmarish year and 
putting my wife through, through heck, um, uh, wondering whether I was ever going to be done with it, uh, I discovered that I actually could have doubled my consulting fees before uh, anyway. You just had to have. I was, I was underpriced. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. um, but, but on the other hand, w what worked out uh, best for me was that as a result of the book, I get to teach workshops. And I really enjoy teaching the workshops. I'm sure you, you do, too. Yeah, I love teaching and sharing and, and, and the sort of giving part of, of sharing our expertise. Um, one of the things I love about the book is that you really delivered on the whole premise. Um, and I often encourage people to sink their teeth into the book because uh, in the same way you're talking about simplifying websites and making it easy for people to find what they're looking for, the book reads that way. It's so simple and there's pictures and the chapters are short and quick. How did you, I assume you had to do a lot of writing to end up with a little bit of con content that was very clear. Um, yeah, it's, uh, well, it, it's profusely illustrated. I, I love things that are profusely illustrated because I'm like half visual and half verbal. Um, but it wasn't so much that I wrote a ton of stuff and then had to throw uh, large portions of it away. What I did was write the same stuff over and over. I have an odd writing pattern where I'll sit down and sort of, you know, start over and write the, write the chapter again, figuring I'll get a different take on it. And then if I go back and look at it, it's almost identical to what I wrote the first time. But there was a lot of excess writing. I, 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 write, I do write pretty lean, which is why it takes me so long. I mean, writing short is, is very hard. It's hard work. Yeah, it's twice as much work. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm trying to find the quote. Um, let, let me find it so that... Uh, it's omit needless words, but omit. It's, it's one, one of Krug's. But, 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 but needless is crossed out, because yeah. it's, and you actually don't need that word. You wouldn't, you wouldn't omit yeah. important words, so it's omit sorry. words is good enough. Krug's third, Krug's third law of usability. Right. Get rid of half the words on each page, then get rid of half of what's left. Yeah. Was, was that part of your editing style for the book? Well, <laughs> I always tell people that the first half of that is, uh, that the second, the second half of that is hyperbole. Um, that it, it is kind of hard to go back and get rid of half of what's left because it turns out to be some very small percentage by the time you do them. Almost all web pages, I could go in and get rid of half the words and not lose any uh, any meaning, uh, you know. And in fact, make it make it uh, better because uh, you know it's kind of like the old thing about where the, the, they asked the sculptor how he you know carved the statue of the eagle or whatever, and he said he just chipped away everything that wasn't eagle. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's sort of the same thing. Anything that's there that's not making your point is just obscuring the stuff that is making your point. So, uh, so editing, you know, it's a, it is probably editing as much as writing, you know. One of the questions in my mind uh, with, you know, getting rid of half the words and, and getting rid of half of what's left is that somewhat contrary to the best practices for natural search engine optimization. Yeah. The, yep. You know, the search engines read words on the page, and we recommend it having somewhere between 250 and 1,000 words on every page on a website. Right. How do those two things sort of work together? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure yet. I've been, been sort of trying to catch up on, on SEO the last couple of years and figure out what the, what the, the truth is. Um, I, I guess I'm not sure that, you know, having more than 250 words that aren't really meaningful is, you know, a good thing. I mean, you know, I, I doubt if you'd recommend just re repeating the key phrases over and over until you got up to a thousand. You know, no, you're, actually, you're really talking about meaningful content. 
you know, we recommend selecting three phrases that you want to target on each page. Right. And you want to repeat those phrases two or three times. Right. You want to try and have them in the title tag, in the, in the H1 header tag. Right. And, you know, the key thing I think that the Google algorithm looks at is keyword density. So uh -huh. what, what percentage of those keyword phrases as a percentage of all the keywords on the page? Right. And you want to have somewhere between 7 and 10% keyword density for those target phrases. So, you know, you really can have a 250 or 300 word page and, right. and have it perfectly optimized. So Yeah, yeah. It, it's just a matter of, you know, uh, it's a matter of, um, I mean, even if, even if your SEO works and you're getting people to the page, if, if your point is obscured when they get there, then you're, you're you know, you're, you're not really going to get much payoff from it. Yeah, so, so important. So the page has to work when they get there. So exactly. It, it, all of this stuff is trade-offs. It's all trade-offs. Yeah, because if, if, if the page is well-optimized and Google shows the page, when they click on that link on a search engine result, they come to that page. They don't go to your home page. Right. So if that page is just walls and walls of text and there's no call to action, right. you're not going get, to get, get the action you're looking for. Yeah. Well, what are a couple of real basic tips for someone building their first website? Uh, well, you know my, the, 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 my most... The significant one that I spend most of the time talking about nowadays is is um, uh, show you show your work in progress to people. You know, or do user testing, and user tell all 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 user testing means is take what you've gotten and show it to somebody and and ask them what it is, or ask them if you have enough, ask them to try using it, and um, you'll find out whether you're on the right track or not. You'll you'll learn something every time. Every time you do that, you'll learn something. But people tend to work in a vacuum. They tend to want to, there's a kind of natural tendency to want to perfect the thing before you let anybody see it. Yeah. And that's, that's um, disastrous um, because anything, the thing with testing is it just works. You know, I mean, you know this. It works. Anytime, anytime you show this stuff to yeah. somebody, you learn something. And you learn something important and useful that you couldn't figure out on your own because when you're working on it, you're much too close to it. You know, you have no distance from it at all, so you can't see it the way other people are going to see it. So certainly testing throughout the process is, is uh, important. Go into another one. Um, you, you've already sold 50,000 copies of the second edition of the book, which is yeah. phenomenal. Congratulations. And, you know, I was, I was so interested to read the new edition because I thought, you know, there'd be all this new stuff. But essentially you kept the core of the book really, really similar. And there's three new chapters. Uh, but but essentially the the books you know almost the same as the one you published six years ago. Yep. And in a similar vein, I wrote the ten golden rules of internet marketing four years ago, and for, for you know for the you know really for the most part the rules are consistent. The core strategies are the same. Do, do you think that web marketing, the the core strategies are now consistent over time, even though the tactics of internet changes? Well. Uh, I mean, in my case, it's um, uh, Jake, Jacob Nielsen. Jacob Nielsen is the the usability guy. Um, I I like him a lot, and I recommend anytime anybody has a question about usability, I recommend going to his website, use it u s e i t use it dot com, um, and reading his alert box columns. But he years ago he said, basically, uh, when he was revisiting the guidelines that he put out like ten years ago for for the web. Uh, you know, they found that in general they hadn't changed that much. Uh, and what he said about it was, technology changes really fast, but human nature changes really slowly. 
And the things that I'm, you know, trying to get people to do have more to do with human nature than with technology. They have to do with whether people can understand what you're talking about, whether you're getting your point across, mm -hmm. whether you're, you know, presenting differentiation of, of what it is you're doing from everything else in the world. And um, so I, I went back and, and reread the book um, and sort of poured over it for a while and tried to figure out what it was that I could change. And I found I did, you know, I still agreed with, <laughs> a nice feeling, but I still agreed with all of it. Yeah. Um, and there were a few things that I, mostly what I did was I threw some things that I thought were a little less important than they had, but I threw them overboard just to try and make some room for, for some new stuff without having the book get, get too much bigger. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I think, um, uh, I, I don't think the, the, the rules for usability have, have changed too much at all. Uh, I think people have gotten much better. I think if you look at websites in general, websites have gotten better. Uh, you know, people don't make as many of the beginner mistakes that, that everybody was making years ago. One reason is because the web is such a nice public medium, it's, it's really easy to go in and copy, you know. So, yeah. So, so people copy the good stuff. Yeah, they and start with, you know, here's a couple of competitors doing a great job. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with going in and doing the same thing, you know. Uh, and so I think that's helped things progress pretty quickly to the point where, uh, uh, the stuff works reasonably well. There's still always, you know, room for improvement individually, and and I'm sure some some uh, you know new stuff is going to emerge. All the social networking stuff is is sort of new, but but how it works and how it's implemented isn't really that different. You know, I mean, it's um, it's just the the concept of of what the thing is doing is different. Yeah, like the um, book is together is, a page. It's either intelligible or it's not, and it's either laid out well or it's not. Facebook is just Friendster, you know, seven or eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> it must be really painful to be that far ahead of your time, you know. Yeah. It must be really galling. Yeah, ten billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, we made a hundred thousand dollars way back when. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I mentioned that I refer to your book in all my presentations. It's generally around golden rule number three, which is to create a UVP, which is our uh, symbol for a unique value proposition. Right. And we describe that as something free on the website that's going to bring people back again and again, or something that you offer them for free, such as a newsletter or a free white paper or a free catalog or free brochure right. in exchange for their email. And it builds that permission to, to remarket to them, two-way relationship, and then you can send a newsletter or follow on emails. Um, and, and by don't make me think, what, what that always said to me is, you know, make it really clear what action you want someone to take on the site. Right. Um, so, you know, offer that one thing for free and make it very prominent, put it on the right-hand side. But well, and in the case that you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, where you're you're offering them something for free to to get to engage them in in this virtual conversation. Uh, yeah. W one of the things that people don't do is uh, uh, is show them what it is they're getting. You know, I, I always say it's like if you're giving them a newsletter, then give them a sample of the newsletter to look at. You know, on the on the page where they're going to where they're going to be signing up for it. Don't don't you know make them buy a pig and a poke. And, when, and people really look for that in testing that you've done? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, you know. 
That's a great insight. Thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll put that into play right away. <laughs> That's the beauty of my business is, you know, we can put stuff into tests on landing pages and, and test some pay-per-click. Well, you know, that's one that's one thing that has changed in the last couple of years, and and, and, and in particular, in the last uh, year or two, uh, from my perspective, you know, as of three years ago, uh, web analytics in general were, uh, you know, something that you did if you had an awful lot of money and didn't mind that they might not be all that accurate even when you spent all that money on them. Yeah, well, it was... It was it was it was for the big boys. It was, it was very for the big boys, and, and and I would get called as a consultant to you know to big boys, in particular people who sort of had an in-house team working on it for a year, and and I you know ask generally you know kind of general sense of what their stats were, and I would always get the impression that their stats were plus or minus fifty percent, you know, even after working on them for a year. <laughs> it, was not, it was kind of scary, um, but you know now something like like you know Google Analytics for free. I can get better stats than, than they could with a team working on it for a year. Yeah, you can't beat the price and, and the quality. <laughs> you really can't beat the price. You can't 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 beat that with a stick. And and what's emerging, I, you know, I just just discovered recently that that there are now these people who there you can as a service now do A and B testing, which I'm sure you you know you're heavily into. Yes. Which which you know I always. Used they only three, three or four years ago, the people who were doing A and B testing were Amazon, you know, and yeah. a couple of people in, in that category where they hardwired it themselves, uh, you know, and, and they could afford to run a server that would process, you know, a certain percentage of people um, each day, and they could do live A-B testing. Live A-B testing is fabulous, but until recently, you know, it was just priced out of anybody's range. But um, you can... You know, I, I mean, I was it's been trying to explain to usability people this actually kind of changes the game for usability people because we used to be able to get away with saying, you know, based on my experience and what I see in testing, you know, this particular page, people are not going to notice this on this particular page. Well, you know, now somebody can, can kind of call our bluff for free in two or three, <laughs> or three days yeah. and prove whether or not people are going to notice it. Yeah, some of the testing companies we've worked with include Optimost and Omniture, um, and um, now Google Google Optimizer, which is you know the Google price, it's free. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you can you can do multivariate testing, like you can test a green button, a red button, a yellow button, an orange button. Right. And uh, find out which one's going to get you more clicks and more conversions. Yeah. yeah no, I'm dying to try that hands on. Yeah. Uh, um, an another golden rule I wanted to touch on was uh, golden rule number seven, which mm -hmm. is trust is golden. Yeah, what are some of the key indicators of safe or secure sites that users are looking for before they'll give you an email or a credit card? Uh, that's interesting. Um, there was a, I, I, I honestly I can't remember what the, the I always forget what the two studies were, but there were there were two studies done, um, uh, kind of large scale studies on trust. Um, one about five years ago, and the, one is that the Stanford one? Three years ago, yeah. The Stanford one was like three years ago. Yeah. There was another one a couple of years before that. Yeah. And the one, the one couple of years before that that got a lot of press, basically said you know things like um, uh, seals of approval and things that users would look for them and would would you know have increased trust based on seeing seeing some kind of kind of you know yeah seal of approval. Well, it turned out the first study was done by asking people what, you know, here's a list of things, which of these would in increase your trust in a website? 
but then the Stanford study was done, you know, much more reliably. It was actually observing people and, and you know, in a much better way and seeing what, what they really would react to. One of the things that I was surprised and kind of pleased with that came out of the Stanford study was um, that looks count. You know, that, that uh, a, a, a site has, if a site looks credible, if it looks like effort has gone into it, if it looks professionally designed, that that enhances people's trust. So it's, you know, I always took it kind of, I mean, one of my rules is somebody says, you know, don't, don't buy cookies that are, on, you know, on the counter at the 7-Eleven that look like they were made in somebody's garage. Don't buy, don't buy stuff that was made by somebody looks like they have nothing to lose, you know. Um, if I see a well-designed site, I, and I know some effort and some money and some thought have gone into it, then uh, it increases my sense that this is a going concern, that these people are probably not going to be out of business tomorrow. And um, Yeah, I just pulled up the, the numbers. I think Stanford talked to 2,800 consumers. Yeah. And the designer look of the site was the most important in terms of credibility to 46% of people. Yeah, which is pretty impressive. The information designer structure, 28.5%, how organized the site looked. The information focus uh, was 25%. Yeah. And the company motive, it can't seem too commercial, was 15.5% of consumers. Yeah, yeah. And, and ain't it grand that you could just pull that up? <laughs> what, ain't it grand that you could just yeah. pull that up? What did we do with our Google? Well, actually, the, the, that study's in, in my presentation. I ah, refer okay. to that. <laughs> so, I, uh, I just had to open the 10 Golden Rules presentation. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, well, thanks so much. I think we can wrap up. I just want you to tell us a little bit about the conferences and who should attend and, and what they'll learn and how they can sign up. Um, Sure. Uh, Lou Rosenfeld, uh, Mr. Information Architecture, and, and I do uh, go around to six cities a year, and we do, each of us does a day-long workshop, and he does one on information architecture, enterprise information architecture. And I do one, I actually just changed it um, this fall uh, to a whole day on usability testing, because I think it's so important, and also because I think it's, it's much simpler than people understand. I think it's very important to do very simple user testing so that you can do it frequently. Um, and so I kind of have my whole, on my own take on the whole thing. So um, I spend a day teaching people how to do their own user testing and they do some practice testing on their own site. And um, I love the, it. I love the tip in the book. Yeah. You, you say, buy your neighbor a beer. Right and get him to navigate your site and watch over his shoulder. Yeah, that's it. Couldn't be much simpler not, than that. Not much, more, not much more to it than that. But, <laughs> but uh, um, so basically, uh, you know, I mean, audience-wise, kind of anybody who's working on a website. I get, I get people all up and down the scale from uh, developers and designers to uh, check signers and project managers and, um, and whatever. And uh, so anybody who's interested in the inf there's information, on my site, which is sensible.com, S-E-N-S-I-B-L-E.com, um, I actually managed to get one of the few remaining English English language words. That's awesome. At the time. <laughs> and and so the, so the, at sensible.com, that's where people can hire you, and they can also buy the book. And and I I, I apologize because I've probably referred you know two thousand people to your book, but I only realized in the last week that they should buy it on your site. Oh, that's okay. That's, that's just, uh, you know, if they do this. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say it. Go to sensible.com, <laughs> click on the link, and buy the book from Steve's site, and you'll get it. Amazon will ship it, but Steve will get an extra commission from Amazon. I get an extra 75 cents or something. Yeah, very nice, yeah.
Well, Steve, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure and an honor to speak oh, to you. Great to talk to you. Thanks for, for selling all the books for me over the years. My pleasure. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, our final section today is a combination of What's Hot and the Song of the Week. But before we wrap up, please take a minute at the end of this episode to call in questions or comments. What did you think about the interview with Steve? What's on your mind? What's working for you in Internet marketing? Give us a call. 206-888-6606. Take a minute. Put that number into your speed dial on your cell phone. 206-888-6606. And anytime you have a thought or idea, please share it with us. Or send us an email to podcast at the number 10 goldenrules.com. Podcast at 10 goldenrules.com. So let's get into um, what's hot, and uh, here's the intro. So the hot topic we're talking about today is something called mashups. And we've got two incredible mashup songs. And first of all, let me talk about how mashups are defined in Wikipedia and how mashups are used on the internet. In Wikipedia, they say a mashup is a web application that combines data from more than one source into a single integrated tool. A typical example is the use of cartographic data from Google Maps and to add location information to real estate data from Craigslist, thereby creating a new and distinct web service that was not originally envisioned by either service. So essentially what they do is they take apartment listings or real estate listings on craigslist.com and combine them with Google Maps so you can see the physical location um, derived by an address on the Maps uh, uh, function on Google. The term mashup originally referred to the practice in pop music, notably hip-hop, of producing a new song by mixing two or more existing pieces. A quick search on the news uh, news engine on Google found that IBM unveiled a preview version of two new tools it said will allow non-technical users to mash up information and data from disparate sources to build new applications. The IBM Mashup Starter Kit preview is available at IBM's AlphaWorks site. It includes IBM's Mashup Hub server, which stores RSS and other types of feeds, and an enhanced version of IBM's QED wiki interface, which is designed to allow users to link data sources to create a single view of information. Another site called mashups.com mashups.com features the mashed up video of the day. Uh, Mashup Town features some incredible audio. And I recently met with a, a student who's still in, he's a sophomore in high school, and he, with a partner, has created a site called More Map. And what More Map does is mash up maps and all kinds of information, everything including movies, your closest movies and banks, radio, local radio stations. Um, they have things like traffic and earthquakes, uh, saved places. You can, you, know, you can save map locations. And they have interesting places. They show maps uh, of New Orleans, Ground Zero, Baghdad, and Fenway Park. So really something interesting going on there as well. That's at moremap, M-O-R-E, map.com. And thanks to Adam Richmond for that insight. So next up, we'll, we'll show you where it all started with mashups of music. And 
The first one we're going to get into is an incredible mashup from an artist named DJ Mool. And he is, uh, you can find him at djmoule.com, djmool.com. He'll be in San Francisco on October 13th. I first heard of him on the DSC, the Daily Source Code, Adam Curry's Wild Ride at podshow.com. And DJ Mool gave us permission to play this song where he mashes up the B-52s and ACDC. It's called Bohemian Thunder. And then we're going to wrap up with another really cool mashup. And this one actually has an amazing video to go with it. It's um, uh, by an artist called So Called. And it's a mashup of ancient klezmer music and modern hip-hop. It was it, the, the artist goes by the name of So Called. I knew him growing up because he's actually my cousin. His name's Josh Dalgan, and he's an, an incredible artist. And you've got to check out the video as well. If you search so-called on YouTube, he's got a couple of amazing, amazing videos. The, the video for this song, called You Are Never Alone, has over 500,000 views. And um, so-called is presently touring in Europe. You'll find him in Roubaix, Strasbourg, Dortmund, Bremen. And October 23rd, he's playing Divan du Monde in Paris. So uh, Josh is having an awesome October as well. So first up, DJ Mool mashing up ACDC and the B-52s, and we'll close out with so-called You Were Never Alone. Have a great week, everybody.
memory of this curse Oh my God's memory They aren't even mine The dry wind wails Till my song is blown away for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. Please send comments and questions to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at 10goldenrules.com. Or use our call-in line 206-888-6606.
This podcast is produced with Cast Blaster.